1: welcome welcome to fearless with jason whitlock i am jason whitlock your host uh happy tuesday to you and yours happy day after monday uh, and happy day before wednesday Uh, it's a fantastic tuesday we have an awesome show uh planned for you a show that uh you know has a chance to really be outstanding if steve Byrne doesn't screw it up Uh, comedian steve (laughs) Byrne in studio with us He's got an Amazon Prime special. Yes.
2: Tell, tell me, Late Night with Steve Byrne? The, the Last Late Night. A big fan. Thank you, Jason. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's called The Last Late Night with Steve Byrne. It's, look, there's so many hour specials out these days. Uh, none of them are special anymore. So I thought, why not do something outside the box? So I, I did a late night talk show that's disguised as a stand-up comedy special. So... Late night talk shows, they, it's, it opens with, a, with the credits that looks like a talk show. We have a live band. My boy, Neil Kane, who's played with Harry Connick the last 20 years, my, my band on stage. Live studio audience, filmed at the Franklin Theater here in Nashville. Uh, I come out, do 20 minutes of monologue one-liners. Uh, then we transition into a panel, which is storytelling. You sit at the couch and... Over that, and then we have traditional stand up at the end. So it's 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 60 minutes all together. We even have commercial breaks in it. And what I like about this one is that every single late night talk show political satire skews hard left and they just dispel vile and vitriol to the right. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if there was a talk show that kind of went a little more Carson? where you're politically ambiguous, you punch both sides. Let, let's not piss off one side, let's piss off everybody. So that's kind of like what, mm. I, what I try to do with this one.
1: And so, hey guys, could, could we go uh, check my mailbox? I'm sure my invitation to this Amazon late night special is probably in my mailbox. Is that, is that, did
2: I overlook my invitation to be on uh, the special? To, oh, oh, to be in the special? Yeah, I'm the only one on the special, yeah. So, I, so again, I, I, you overlooked inviting me. It, you, the, I thought you said something well, about there's a panel discussion. Well, there's, there's enough diversity in it, so I didn't need you. Oh. <laughs> you need me here today to that check off sick. the... No, no, I, I, this is like, it's literally, I'm my own guest on the thing. I introduce myself, and I come out, and I sit down at the couch, and I just store it. Oh, you wanted them. all the money. I want it all. <laughs> all of it,
1: yes. All right, well, let's take a look at a trailer. Sure. Uh, so everybody gets a little taste of this. Play the trailer.
3: Welcome to The Last Late Night with Steve
4: Byrne!
2: Now, ladies and gentlemen, direct from the bar, here's Stevie! Everybody's getting woke because they don't want to get canceled, right? You got country music artists changing their names out of respect. For example, Lady Antebellum, no longer. It is Lady A. The Dixie Chicks are just the chicks. Even Alabama. Alabama now. Vermont. conference the other day he was asked what he thinks of Antifa he said you know I'm just glad she's off the pancake box to be honest with you (laughs) Kim Jong-un recently achieved the highest rank in the North Korean army 5 foot 6 a Hunger Games theme park recently opened in South Korea it's called North Korea you ladies and gentlemen very much for coming out to the last late night everybody oh
1: man i'd have loved to be a guest on that show and i wouldn't have charged <laughs> you anything that would have been awesome oh i can't next wait next round i can't wait to uh buy it
2: rent it is it? streaming now free for prime members amazon prime <coughs> oh it's free i am an amazon prime member. it's on right now yeah it's uh it's Best work I've ever done. It's five years in the making. A uh, lot of rejection, a lot of perseverance. But, uh, you know, it's 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 out there now and I, I'm really proud of it.
1: Did you think of
2: asking Kyrie
1: Irving to tweet about it? Uh, you know, he's been very well, good with that and I, I, that could get you a lot of attention. Hebrews to Negroes is probably the
2: <laughs> greatest thing going on Amazon. Thanks to Kyrie. Well, I needed. I, I took out the chunk where I was talking about slavery, reparations, the Holocaust, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so maybe next one, yeah. We'll, well put that chunk in and I I'll get his approval. I connect you with people connected to Kyrie if you want him to help promote. Um, I'm a little yeah. busy. I'm having lunch tonight today at Mar a Lago. So maybe hit me up after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that you? Cracked that joke? And I'm. I'm. Are you serious? No, oh. no, 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 no. I'm having uh, a meeting with uh, Yay and Trump. <laughs> and, uh, to yeah. be to be determined yeah. all
1: right well uh steve uh we're honored to have you here uh you're a very funny guy steve and i met probably a year ago at zany's or at maybe zany's, a yeah, little more right, than yeah. zany's and you know we've talked back and forth i've you've asked me to come on your show but never in a real way uh what you do never, you mean in a real way never... <laughs> i text you and i say hey will you come down down and then and then you don't answer <laughs> that's not true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's a tiny bit of truth. I, yeah, it's a I, tiny I'm, bit true. Yeah, I, I'm different. But looking at that, damn,
2: I'll be there the next time you ask me. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's it's a darn good one. And I think, um, look, you know that the, the talk show is an antiquated form of entertainment. The late night talk show has been so great to stand up comedians over the years. And that's why it's called The Last Late Night, because it's kind of like kissing the ring and paying homage to a dying art form. The Variety Show went away. This is the same thing. So it's I, I, it's my way of saying thank you, but it's also a way of paying homage to the best to ever do it, Johnny Carson, and we uh, we have so, a lot of things on the desk for him.
1: So t- tell me, how come in a city like Nashville, yeah. it could support a weekly late-night talk show? Uh, again, even if it just... Again, streamed on Amazon or streamed on YouTube or wherever with all the entertainers, the musicians and, and interesting people that live here now. Sure.
2: That, that could be done. Is there any, look, I, I I never did this as like a proof of concept. I just did it to do something unique in the standup space. But now that it's out there, it's, it's in the ether. Look, I'd love to do it, but I didn't realize how big of an entertainment hub Nashville was until I moved here. I moved from from Los Angeles and you know people say why did you move from LA to Nashville? It's like I wanted to get away from the politics. Like my daughter asked me for help with her math homework. I'm like, "Oh, this is math. How hard is this?" And again, the 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 politics interweave into the schools now. And remember the math question that made me say, "Honey, we're out of here" is it was a math question that said if you divide the number of genders by the amount of bathrooms you can use, how much climate change do you get? <laughs> and I said, all right, I think we're good. We're out of here. I was the last straw. So I, and, and
1: I, I, I got to be careful. I got to get to my fire starter and, and yep. some of the other stuff. But I do want to ask you this and ter- Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. And I think Bill Maher mm-hmm. seem to be opening room for comedians to be comedians
2: again and make people uncomfortable. Is, is that accurate? Look, I think I think what's happening is, by the way, I agree with you, but there's a void. Hollywood, Hollywood got so safe. They don't want to push the boundaries anymore. So there's no more R-rated comedies. There's no hard R anywhere. So people are going. They, they want to laugh. They want to be shocked. They want to hear outrageous things. That's why comedy clubs are packed more comics than ever are doing theaters, more comics than ever are doing arenas. So they're, they're getting their, their junkie fix through comedy all over the country, and I'm glad to be a part of it. But the pendulum is swinging back to some semblance of normality because of people like Barr, uh, uh, Bill Maher, but I, I think Chappelle, to me, is the great, greatest conduit. Him and Bill Burr probably right now. Chris Rock's my all time. Chris Rock's my. Chris plays it kind of safe, though, here. Recently. He's gotten safer. But I love Dave. I love that Dave doubles down. Dave doesn't apologize. And Bill Maher, it, it, surprisingly to me, has become a really great voice of reason in the last few years because he's always been pretty darn progressive. But I think his party's moved past him is what he said. And now he's more centered than ever before. He's a
1: businessman, man. Why leave all that audience on the table?
2: Well, they're all doing it. Yeah. All the Every major network is. All the All the streamers do it. So this is an opportunity, I thought... For somebody to kind of hit back a little bit, and I've lost a few friends over the last few years over material, um, people that, uh, you know say, how, "How can you be saying these kinds of things?" And I'm like, "Well, how can you be saying those kinds of things?" You know, I travel the country 50 weeks a year. I'm in Texas, I'm in Bodunk towns, I'm in Ohio, I'm in the Rust Belt, and I'm on the coast, and I want everybody to come to shows. but I also want everybody to get a little taste of their own medicine, too, so everybody gets it.
1: Speaking of a taste, yeah. Have you heard about my friends at Good Ranchers? Here we go. Have you ever heard of an unforgettable (laughs) Christmas? You thought you received the thing you wanted most and then figured out it was just a normal pair of socks? Uh, They weren't even Blaze socks, so they just sucked the happiness right out of the room. What if I said to you, you could fight inflation, eat luxurious food, and give your family the awesome gift that you could have received yourself? Well, you can. Make someone's Christmas unforgettable, by gifting them with a Good Rancher subscription. Good Ranchers is the sure way to give 100% American, USDA prime and upper choice cuts of beef, chicken and seafood. Plus, you can give the gift of a subscription and lock in someone's price for them this entire year. I don't know about you, but an inflation-proof meat budget beats a new pair of socks for me anyway. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com and use the promo code FEARLESS at checkout for $35 off your delicious gift of meat. If you know someone that likes meat, then you know someone who will love Good Ranchers. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com and find the perfect box in the curated selection of America's best meat and seafood. Give the best meat in America, support local U.S. farms, and get $35 off with my promo code FEARLESS today. Avoid inflation this Christmas with Good Ranchers. American Meat Delivered. All right, Steve, now that I've told you where to shop for meat, <clears throat> and th- this weekend, <laughs> this weekend, I, not meat, but I, I, I actually paid attention. I shopped through Instacart mostly. Got it. And I actually paid attention, and I saw, I paid $7 for a dozen eggs. And I was like, when did eggs go to $7? Sure. And, and, and I tweeted about it, and people started giving me a hard time. They, <laughs> you didn't pay $7. Yes, I did, Publix. Uh, on Instacart, uh, so anyway, that's why I'm pushing Goodwrench. You can you can inflation-proof your food. I think it's great. And I, I, did you know
2: the FBI raided Mike Lindell's home? You heard that, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, they were trying to get the promo code. That, that's why they did so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, before you crack any more jokes, here we go. So. Uh, let me get the show rolling
1: with this great fire star. Delano Squire is going to be here. Steve Kim's going to be here. Steve Burns here with us all day. Chris Rufo's is going to join the show as well uh, to talk about what's going on with Disney. Uh, Before we do any of that, I'm gonna light a fire because that's what we like to do here. We like to start fires and then I'll have Steve and Delano and Steve Kim uh, fan the flames. So let's get it rolling. Uh, We'd rather beg than build. That's the lesson gleaned from Deion Sanders' relocation from Jackson, Mississippi to Boulder, Colorado. From Jackson State University to the University of Colorado. It's a tough lesson. One many of us, black people, will reject, deflect, and continue to neglect to our continued demise. Life rewards builders and exploits beggars. Deion Sanders is not a beggar, but he's not a builder either. He's a mercenary for hire, serially auctioning himself to the highest bidder and committed builder. It's a lucrative line of work if fate blesses you with an unusually rare set of skills sanders won the genetics lottery in a country so rich that it irresponsibly lavages performers with bounties best given to innovators educators and humanitarians as an athlete across two sports sanders functioned much like a big booty instagram model selling himself to whichever billionaire builder slid into his dms george steinbrenner in the yankees ted turner in the Braves. Marge Schott and the Reds. Peter McGowan and the San Francisco Giants. Rankin Smith and the Falcons. Edward Debartolo in the 49ers. Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. Daniel Snyder in the Redskins. And Steve Bashotti and the Ravens. All paid the cost to be Prime's temporary boss. Dion has always been a rolling stone. A tool in someone else's plan to build something sustainable. Popular culture celebrated his wanderlust, materialism, and his sincere desire to proselytize those values to the next generation. The rap music industry welcomed Primetime to its bosom with an enthusiasm usually reserved for drug dealers and gangbangers. Corporations pleaded with Prime to pitch their products. The greatest sellsword in the history of entertainment became an American idol an evangelist for the pleasures money provides. He legitimized his service to mammon with down-home spirituality, preaching a prosperity gospel to young athletes that made Creflo Dollar and Joel Olstein swell with pride. But let me stop. I have little interest in denigrating and demonizing Deion Sanders. He's a well-intentioned, pampered, elite jock. He reflects a culture designed and maintained by builders and globalists. Dion doesn't drive the culture, and there's nothing inherently wrong with mercenary work. The right builder can hire the right mercenaries to erect and protect institutions that properly edify the masses. Again, Dion is a sellsword. He'll work for anybody, anytime, anywhere. He's proven that. He left Jackson State for Colorado because We, black people, lack the resolve to build our own. We'd rather beg for diversity, inclusion, and equity at a white institution than determine our own success at a black institution. We'd rather make movies about a black Wall Street in the 1920s than build one in 2020. For the right price, Deion Sanders would still be at Jackson State University, had a handful of allegedly pro-black athletes, rappers, and entertainers come together to financially support what Dion was building at Jackson State, Dion would still be the head coach at the historically black university. But that's not what we do. LeBron James would rather buy a tiny stake in a foreign soccer team than invest 10 million in an HBCU. Jay-Z would rather partner with Jeff Bezos in a bid to overthrow Dan Snyder as the owner of the Washington Commanders than invest 10 million in a black college. Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharp would rather use their platforms to justify the suspension of Kyrie Irvin and and criticize Jerry Jones for a 60-year-old pitcher than use those platforms to rally financial support for Jackson State. Oprah Winfrey would rather build schools in Africa than finance clean water in Jackson, Mississippi. We'd rather beg than build. I'm not talking about Deion Sanders. He sold his sword to Jackson State with the right intentions. The problem is the builders never showed up. In a two-year, three-season stint, Sanders led the Jackson State Tigers to back-to-back swack titles. This past season, the Tigers finished 12-0 despite a city-wide water crisis that limited the team's access to safe drinking water. Dion and his players were occasionally forced to bathe in in a hotel swimming pool. Deion Sanders presented black college football an incredible opportunity to build something elite and sustainable. He attracted cameras, attention, massive crowds, and talent to the swag. He upgraded a few facilities at Jackson State. What he couldn't do was inspire the alleged pro blacks to seize the moment and invest in an infrastructure for long-term success. Beggars don't build, they beg. They complain about what the white man won't do. They support hashtag campaigns about black girl magic and black lives mattering. They serve their own self-interest. It's a byproduct of matriarchal, short-sighted leadership. I'm not blaming women i'm blaming men for surrendering leadership to women and adopting a feminized mindset years ago booker t washington showed us the importance of building schools and institutions during that same time frame madam cj walker became rich selling cosmetics and hair care products to black female consumers women consume men build we can blame dion for giving up moving out of the hood for a cushy job and college football suburbs, but what would you do? Remember, Dion is a mercenary. He's not a beggar or a builder. He sacrificed his coaching salary, giving most of the money back to Jackson State to pay his assistance. The day of his coaching debut at Jackson State in February of 2021, a burglar robbed his office. There are rumors that Sanders and his sons were the victims of several robberies. In his meeting with Colorado players, Sanders oddly praised the lack of crime in Boulder. What would make him do that? (laughs) Crime in Jackson is the obvious answer. Sanders needed help in Jackson, the capital city of America's poorest state. Jackson is 78% black, 20% of its citizens live below the poverty line. The city's crime rate rivals America's major cities. Boulder is 88% white. Less than 1% of its population is black. It's a wealthy city with little crime. It's a much safer environment for Sanders' kids, including his quarterback son. Roughly 600 of the school's nearly 40,000 students are black. Building requires a level of sacrifice, commitment, and vision we can't seem to muster. Begging requires nothing beyond the tolerance of a guilt-ridden benefactor. Years ago, my good friend and mentor, Jim Brown, told me that the biggest obstacle for black progress was a habit of buying what we want and begging for what we need. Rappers and athletes would rather buy gold chains and diamond earrings to floss in front of the poor than elevate communities and institutions that serve the poor. From September of 2020 to December of 2022, Deion Sanders offered his sword for a higher calling than money. To no one's real surprise, we failed to build upon it. Victims don't see themselves as builders. We fantasize about white saviors, reparations, and gold chains. We dream about moving up and moving out. Beggars aspire to be mercenaries, never builders. That's my fire on Deion Sanders. How you like them apples? Let me turn to my
2: Asian comedian friend, uh, Steve Byrne. How you like them apples? That was beautiful. That was that was awesome. I think there's a live studio audience here. Everybody, be clapping. Man. It was really, really well put. I I I agree with you. I think that. Um, I, I think if you if you you know there was there was, when I when I was reading it, you know it, it strikes me sometimes like even in the entertainment industry you see it so many times we need a black ma- Batman we need a black James Bond we need this we it's like why not create something that's unique and and, and never seen before within. The paradigm of what you 're trying to create if you 're looking for a black superhero, then why not create one instead of just j- doing the lazy thing and shoehorning uh, a black actor to be cast as that after this pantheon of all these people have been cast as something society knows now we 're doing it for the sake of diversity. I think time you see the bus ads and it 's forced, it feels forced, and those shows get cancelled. I think anytime it 's genuine and it 's real, those are the ones that have true staying power and to your point, too, like, I, I think sometimes, like, this This is maybe a little bit on track of off, but there was a, I remember a few years ago, there was this this big furor about Scarlett Johansson being cast in this, uh, in this trans story. Yes. And... <laughs> they didn't want her to act. They didn't want her to act. Yes. And they said, she can't be in this. We need a trans actor. So the whole thing went away. I don't know the story, but I know that it was probably inspiring, and it was something that brought attention to the trans community that was going to maybe normalize the situation or whatever it might be, right? I'm, I'm sure it would have been great. And then they made such I'm a... I'm sure it would have been a disaster, but go ahead. But, but, <laughs> but, but, to the, to the, but what they were trying to... So they said, let's get a trans act, let's get a trans act. Yeah. It's like, well, who is it? Because the financiers, (laughs) 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 but the financiers know that by casting Scarlett Johansson, this is business, they're going to get a return on their money. They'll get international and domestic. It'll get picked up. And now the story will see the light of the day because I think sometimes these progressives get so high on their horse. They're willing to take themselves out before they have the opportunity to to show something. So to your point, I think even in this situation, Why not build upon that community and build something great? And he had a a real opportunity there. You know, I know it's probably not the same correlation, but when LeBron James was in Cleveland, I always thought, boy, if you stayed in this market, you'd you'd be a hero in the Midwest for the rest of your life. Yes, you can go around chasing the dollar and be in these marquee spots and get the advertisements. And now you have a production company in Los Angeles. I get all of that. You could still do that if you just stayed true and stayed to your hometown. And I I just think there is something to be more celebrated for somebody staying in Cleveland developing Akron, developing Cleveland, for it not becoming a punchline like it has been the last 30 years. I went to Kent State. I'm from Pittsburgh. It pains me to want to. Oh, you know, I not know
1: you went. You're a Mac
2: here. Applaud. Yeah. But to applaud the city of Cleveland, I've always enjoyed my time there. And I, I, to me, that was one of the biggest travesties uh, where you, you're there. You have this opportunity to really develop the city that that is close to you and you stepped away from it. So. For me personally, I saw it on a first-hand level in Cleveland, and I see what sports does and how it affects the morale of a city, and especially a city like that that revolves around the Cavs, the Guardians now, and and the Browns. Who are the Guardians? The baseball team? Yeah, I I just think they they should have called themselves, instead of going from the Cleveland Indians to to the Cleveland Guardians, just call them the Ohio Indians. That would have been the easy solve. Oh. But I, I, I loved it, man. I, I thought that was great.
1: Thank you. Uh, good job. I was, I thought you'd be scared, but, you know, I should know from Steve Kim, you Asian guys don't scare easily. No, you, you, no. You, you,
2: look, we're, uh, we're both Korean. You know the last war that the Koreans won? It's called the L.A. riots. Back to you. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> All right.
1: Uh, let me tell you about another friend of mine at Health. Putting your life on autopilot is a guaranteed way uh, to disappointment. If you carelessly buy a new house, marry just anybody, or make any other big life decision before taking care of yourself, what are you doing? Let's be honest. The insurance model is broken. Thanks to CrowdHealth, we can do something about it. CrowdHealth puts your healthcare back in your hands. Cut out the middleman, save money, and fund your healthcare costs without relying on big government or big insurance companies. Only pay the first $500 of any healthcare event. The CrowdHealth community takes care of the rest. No exclusive doctor networks, no huge premiums or high deductibles, no surprises. CrowdHealth beats insurance by totally reversing the vicious incentives that got us into this mess in the first place. So take charge of your healthcare today with CrowdHealth. Open enrollment is the only time you can hit eject on the broken system without penalty, so don't wait. And for a limited time, join for just $99 per month for your first six months when you use promo code FEARLESS at joincrowdhealth.com. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code FEARLESS. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. Terms and conditions may apply. All right, you can email me and us at the show, fearlessblaze show at gmail.com. Show's gonna get smarter, Lionel Squires.
2: I wanna be, I just want. I wanna be, I just want. I wanna be, I
4: just How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy, you go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel
2: relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com.
1: All right, let's roll out to Washington, D.C. and bring in our main man, the smartest man on the show, we call him Professor Delano. We call him the smartest man on the show. You guys know him as Delano Squires. Delano, uh, welcome back uh, to the show. Good to see you this week. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a. Some people might say I'm a bit over the map. Yesterday, mm. all over the map. Yesterday, I was a bit critical of Deion Sanders and uh, the move to Jacks or to Colorado because I didn't like the way he addressed his Colorado team. I, I thought that was. Poor, in bad taste. I think it's, he's made himself an idol. It's too much Dion ego. Criticize that. Today, I'm really not interested in criticizing Dion. I, I, I'm interested in us evaluating why Dion's move to Jackson State has been aborted, in my view, prematurely. And I know they've won back to back SWAC championships and they went 12 0. But this thing was not maxed out to mm. the ability it could have been for Jackson State and for HBCUs. Uh, Dion had a cup of coffee at an HBCU, built his own, elevated himself and his own resume. But I don't see Jackson State really benefiting from this. You think I'm right about that? I think Jason. Part of it depends on what happens next for
5: Jackson State. All right? I think Steve Kim might have. I think it was Steve Kim yesterday who who floated the name Ray Lewis. Um, again, Ray okay. is not is not um, Dion. Right, Dion is known as is Prime. They don't even call him Coach Sanders. It's Coach Prime. Um, but but if if there was a if there was a similarly large Hall of Fame all time great coach who Came to Jackson State to at least try to continue and build on what um, Deion Sanders did. I, I could easily see it, you know, working for them in the long term. But um, ultimately, that that remains to be seen. Jason, I'm like you. I, I didn't like the move at all. Um, leaving Jackson State, where he was, bi- where he really was building something. And it wasn't just a program. He was building a culture. He was having, uh, as much as I may take issue with, you know, certain hip-hop artists. He was he it wasn't just he had Snoop down there. He had Chad Johnson down there. He was inviting everybody to come to Jackson State. It it seemed to, in some ways, sort of invigorate the culture, so to speak. And, And more people were paying attention to HBCU football than I think have have done so in years past. And to leave for Colorado, to me, was just a poor move. No one would complain if he left for Florida State at all. If he left for the Miami job. If it was some other school that felt like more of a cultural fit, and I, I don't mean race, I mean culture, right? If 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 he if he if he went to um, a West Coast school, if he went to not S.C. obviously, if he went to U.C.L.A., if he went to somewhere L.A., if, if he went to a school that was in a big a big city, a big you know uh, media hub, I could see that more. But Colorado, to again has not been a good football team in a long time. Um, They're at the bottom of the Pac-12. It doesn't seem like a cultural fit. He was doing his primisms yesterday, and and the audience was not reacting the way he's typically used to them reacting. So I I just, all in all, to me it wasn't a good move. Um, And to your point, I think he had a tremendous opportunity to build something at Jackson State that will last and outlast him and potentially if he stayed as as long as let's say a, a coach Eddie Robinson elevate him in in the same way that that coach was in terms of the the influence
1: and the legacy that he that he left at, at an h b c u so my contention is Dion's never been a builder, he's a mercenary hmm. he's a gun for hire and and builders hire him to hmm. do his. And, and that's what I think Jackson State did. And I think Dion offered himself up for that, but, but I, I, I think the lack of support, the lack of infrastructure being put in around him to elevate things and to make things, keep in mind, they went through that water crisis at the very mm-hmm. beginning of the season. I think that started in August. And these guys were taking baths in swimming pools. They were struggling mm-hmm. for drinking water. Jackson was a hot mess. Dion, first game in February, because he had that that COVID early season they played in February, six or seven games or whatever, his first season, or I can't remember how many games they played. This dude gets, his office gets robbed uh, Mm -hmm. day one. Jackson is one of the most crime-ridden cities in America, in in the poorest state in America. And, And I think when I... Think about what uh, Dion said to the Colorado players when he makes this odd comment about, hey, you should be a pre. There's no crime here. I think that was him complaining about the environment in Jackson. And and I just think between the lack of rallying support and people coming in with a plan and a vision to Deion, we're going to take this thing to the next level and you're not going to have to leave here to earn millions of dollars we got enough support from LeBron and Oprah and whoever else that you could make $5 million a year right here. We can pay your assistant coaches and we can blow this whole thing up and, and really have an impact on the, on the city of Jackson, Mississippi. And that never arrived. And I, I think Dion is a little bitter and, mm-hmm. and, uh, glad to be, you know, moving on up and out and, 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 I'm blaming us. We Mm. didn't support Dion at Jackson State, not letting him all the way off the hook. But again, he's a mercenary. Builders should have. One of these pro-black celebrity, Mm -hmm. Diddy, LeBron, Jay-Z, whatever, they had an opportunity to, to be really disruptive in the sports world, and we passed. And, and the odd thing is
5: that over, I'd say, the last five years, you start to hear some rumbling about HBCUs disrupting sort of the, the pipeline talent at predominantly white institutions, PWIs. But uh, aside from a player here or there, it, it really hasn't taken off much. And I think let me let me say this. And, and you were sort of getting into to, to some of the cultural inside baseball yesterday. So uh, there's a couple of things I want to say. One is that I know a ton of HBCU grads. My wife is one of them. She graduated from two different HBCUs, um, Texas Southern <laughs> and, and Hampton. One of the things that to a man they will say or complain about is administration at HBCUs. And at, for as much as they love their schools, they'll say you know, financial aid didn't hit in time. I, I had other issues with housing and so on and so forth. And it doesn't matter what school it is. I'm not just talking about the, the small, private colleges in the deep South. I'm talking about Howard university, you know, some, some of the other larger big name schools. So, so that's a piece. One thing on the flip side, I don't know anyone who's, who, uh, any group of people who are as proud of their schools and represent them as openly as HBCU grads. Um, I I'll tell people I went to Pitt, but it's not, I'm not, I don't got Pitt paraphernalia outside of you, Jason, outside of you, most of the people, you know, who who rep, who go that hard for their schools tend to be HBCU, right, <laughs> tend to be HBCU grads. <laughs> but th- th- there is a, um, an interesting sort of nuanced dynamic, and, and it's this, and you said this yesterday, for a lot of us, black folk, educated, upperly mobile, there's still a sliver of us that does see anything that's all black as less than. We don't say it that way, but um, Many of us speak that way or act that way, and and one of the things, and I and I think I sent this to you a little earlier, where where I see this debate, and it seems unrelated, but but I think it really is related, is the debate around affirmative action, and and the notion that it is better to be a middling student at Georgetown than it would be to be a top scholar at Howard University, and there is a part of of us within Black culture that says success always necessitates leaving home, leaving the neighborhood you grew up in and going to somewhere else. And that somewhere else, nine out of 10 times tends to be a majority uh, white neighborhood. Now, I'm not saying people, uh, black uh, successful rich black folk wouldn't live in a majority successfully rich black neighborhood, because I do know some people who are like that, but, but there is this notion that to be successful, we have to get up, out and away from the people who look like us, even as we say we're dedicated to, to those very people. Um, and, and, I, and I feel like there was there was some part of that, you know, at, at play here um, with Dion. And, and I, it's unfortunate because, again, he could have been a king in the south. At an HBCU and, and and in some respects, elevate some of the other schools, as opposed to being if the trajectory holds a bottom of the barrel program at, you know, probably the, the least competitive school in Pac-12, a conference that it doesn't even get the type of coverage that it should because it, it plays on the West Coast. When Arizona and Arizona State are playing or, or, or you know, um, Arizona State and, and Utah at, at one in the morning, most people on the East Coast are not watching it, right? SC is a high-profile program with a long history. They were really good this year. They got a lot of shine. But he's not going to get the type of light that he's looking for. And again, I think even though you saw some some high wattage, you know, black luminaries go down to Jackson State, you know, support him publicly. I don't know if the dollars were there. Um, and it's one of the things that almost every institution complains about, which is people, graduates. And I think I've heard HBCU say this specifically. Graduates do not give back to their alma mater. They want to reap they want re- to reap the benefits. They want to be able to wear the paraphernalia. They want to be able to say, I came for homecoming. Well, when it comes time to open a checkbook and say, I'm going to write a check for a school that I graduated from or. I, as a, as a professional athlete, an entertainer, uh, a megastar, I'm going to write a check for a school I didn't go to, but a school that I think is is culturally relevant that's not always there. And again, some players do it. I know Chris Paul, I feel like, and Steph Curry were trying to bring some attention to HBCUs, you know, wearing some of the merch and, and so on and so forth. But I don't know if the dollars are always going there. And I don't know if there's a, if there's a set vision and infrastructure to help build these schools up and supplement and sort of elevate the, the resources um, that they can provide on campus.
2: Well, Whitlock, I'll tell you, I, I remember reading about what Sanders did, Coach Sanders, Coach Prime did in, uh, in Jackson, and I remember reading about the water crisis, players are bathing at the hotel, and then to add insult to injury, he had water shipped in, but it was from Camp Lejeune. So, <laughs> hold for applause. Back to you.
1: Back, back to me. Uh, Delano, you nailed my point. About Mm. us not giving back to the institutions that supported us, and and this is a conversation I've been having for years with Mm. Ball State peers of mine, uh, with everybody. People can go hunt up. People still remember. Fifteen years ago, I had Shannon Sharp on my podcast for Fox Sports, either Fox Sports or ESPN. Was called maybe it was my ESPN. It was called Real Talk. Uh, podcast I did 10 12 years ago I, I can't remember and <clears throat> me and Shannon Sharp got into a knockdown, drag-out argument because the man only had one school offer him a football scholarship because his mm. grades were so terrible coming out of high school Savannah State and HBCU was the only school to let him in and this man came on my show and said he'd never give him a dime <laughs> and I went off and, and we mm. went at it back and forth I was this is crazy, man. How, how, the one school that gave you an opportunity, gave you a chance to go on and build this NFL career. You don't want to give me any money. Are, are, are you kidding me? And and what I will give Shannon credit for, because i like to keep it all the way 100 is he did at the end of our conversation, walk it back and say he was and He would consider mm-hmm. giving Savannah State some money, whether or not he did or not. I tend to doubt it, but I do know, in his latest reincarnation as the blackest man on TV, he does (laughs) show Savannah State love, paraphernalia, things like that, talks with a lot of pride. But he he represents a mindset that is pervasive. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, I certainly, friends with uh, a lot of people that graduated from HBCUs, and they love to complain about the administrative hold-ups and all the problems they had on campus and and none of them love to talk about the money they're giving back to try to fix any of those problems and mm. and that's the that's what I'm saying Jackson State I'm sure and Jackson Mississippi has a lot of problems it's incumbent upon us to fix them we can go sit around and complain about them and say oh yeah you know the reason why you know I didn't get my Pell Grant money or I didn't get my Right. Uh, money is white racism, you know. And everybody on the campus they looking at is black, but it was white white racism reared its ugly head at Jackson State or wherever, and and stopped all that. You gotta fix the problems. Complaining about it does nothing. Before people go off, everybody knows I give money to Ball State and show a lot of support to Ball State. I, I will say this: anybody want to come at me right now? I'm paying for a relative. To go to Hampton University right now, Mm. Mm. Uh, so and and loved her choice of Hampton, and that's part of the reason why I'm coughing up my money. But 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 I I I just if we're not willing to support these institutions, I'm not comfortable looking around at white people and saying it's your fault. Yeah, because it's just. I got to lose weight. If Steve Byrne exercises today, it does not help (laughs) me lose weight. It's not incumbent upon Steve Byrne to to exercise for me. It's on me. And and that's just the way life goes. And I don't care what happened in the past. Maybe Steve Byrne's grandfather did something to my grandfather. I don't know. I got to
2: get on that Stairmaster, not Steve Byrne. Uh, well, I, look, I agree. I give back. I was I was on scholarship at school. I was uh, I I played the on the solitaire team, so I give back to <laughs> University of Phoenix any chance I get. All you're on the solitaire
1: team. <laughs>
2: I was like, you're not
1: smart enough to play yeah. bid or spades. No, nope. you, you play solitaire. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I mean. So I'm sorry. Go ahead, Delano. No, I, I was going to say, and
5: again, the, the the dynamic is is so interesting because. I'll say this. Outside of HBCUs, I, I think the only um, majority black institution that is supported b- both in word and in deed and in resources is is the black church. Um, that's the only institution in which most black folks say, "Nah, I'll stay here. I, I don't want to go over to, you know, <laughs> um, whatever the majority white church yeah. is in a particular community. We'll, we'll stay here, we're comfortable with this, with this environment, with the culture, we, we, we comfortable with the style of preaching and the choir, so on and so on and so forth. Anything else, there's, there's a part of, of, of us, and, and f- many of us, where it's just like, okay, the ice is colder on, on the other side of town. And even though I'll, I'll talk in a particular way, when, when you watch my moves and my actions, it's it's always let, let me go over to someplace else outside of my community um, because it, it's
1: better over there in, in some way, shape or form. And I think part of this is go, go ahead You've raised a fascinating point, Delano. I, I got to jump in here. You've raised a fascinating point. I hadn't thought about that because having grown up at 25th Street Baptist Church in Indianapolis in the heart of the hood. And Mm -hmm. 70s and even more hood now, but it's always been hood. The one thing you can say about the black church traditionally, Mm -hmm. I think it's changing, is is I never felt a single ounce of fear going Mm. to 25th Street Baptist Church. Churches Mm -hmm. are sanctuaries where the bad guys leave you alone. College campuses Are not. Are not. True. Uh, so <laughs> you, you have a, a, a HBCU in the black community or whatever that people are very comfortable bringing that that ghetto violent mentality to a college campus. And so the perhaps I'm going to defend us slightly to say we're comfortable at black churches because we feel safe there. Right. We're not comfortable in a lot of these black spaces, and I think this is what's affecting Dion. And he's looking at his sons, and again, there's rumors that his sons got robbed several times. And, and again, oh, wow. some of it I don't like because Dion and his kids are flossing all this jewelry right, around right. poor folks and whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, you wear a hamburger around your neck around me and see what happens.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I just. So, but but it's the lack of. Safety. I walked in and you said, I haven't had Korean barbecue in a long time. i was like, Damn, what, like I'm just saying, hey.
1: <laughs> but but I, I think it may be a safety issue, Delano. I, I do think there's something to that. And, and again, when you talk about the black church,
5: that is one of the only institutions where you will get black folk from the suburbs to come back into the city. And I, I've I've lived a bunch of different places, for instance, in D.C., on a Sunday morning, you'll see a bunch of Maryland tags because there's people coming back into the city, the church they grew up in that their grandmother took them <coughs> to. But college is different because one, college has a bunch of kids oftentimes who are not from a particular area. So they are easy marks. And if a, if a college is situated in a particular city or a particular part of town, sometimes an administration will tell kids, don't venture too far off of campus because they know that they, if they're on campus, there's a certain amount of protection that you can offer depending on how the campus is set up. But if you're out in, in the city, if you're downtown, if you're other places and you don't know where you're going and you're a frail little 18 year old kid, yes, you are an easy mark for other, for other people. And as you said, if, if you're in one of the poorest cities in the country and, and you're flossing and everybody knows that you have money, yeah, you're going to be more of a target for, for robbery. So, And that's not just an HBCU thing. The whole notion of town versus gown, those issues in terms of where colleges are situated and the surrounding neighborhoods, you know, the the conflict sometimes that you get between young people of of a similar age is not something that's that's, um, you know, restricted to HBCUs. But again, I I think I I think there, there was a certain there was something else. There was more that Dion could have done at Jackson and Jason. As you were talking, something came to me and, and I don't I'm not fully versed in this, but I feel like didn't Dave Portnoy have something to do with either encouraging Dion to go to Jackson or brokering that deal? I, I feel like Barstool
1: was supporting in- it. Dave Portnoy, uh, the pr- founder of Barstool, El Presidente, yeah. probably showed more financial support to Dion Sanders than any black celebrity. Absolutely, that's what I was thinking. Positively, a thousand percent true. That and 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 that's what I was thinking. And and that's
5: one of those things where it's not Dave Portnoy is not out on the internet wearing JSU merch, but if he's if he's writing a check, that means uh, a lot more. And and again, to be fair, I've done some you know just in some of the work that I do, I do know that there are some mega stars, Jay Z, Beyonce, who've given money to HBCU. Sometimes it's for a particular it might be for a music or arts program. But in terms of matching the, the outward um, support, right, like Beyonce did her, her homecoming special or whatever. There's a lot of that. Right. Because because some of that is trading on the, the cultural capital of the HBCU itself. But I think it's time to sort of match that on the back end with some of the financial resources, the financial support, as you mentioned yesterday, if you had someone, the stature of Dr. Dre, giving 70 million to, even if it was across a, a bunch of different schools, right? And it can't always just be sort of the HBCU Ivies, Howard Hampton, Morehouse, and, and Spellman. I might have left off one or two. Um, it, it can't just be those, right? There, there are, I think, 107 HBCUs, if if I, if I have the number correct, public schools, private colleges, large, small, a few on the East Coast, obviously all across the South into Texas. These are schools that have been that consistently uh, push out the highest number of black doctors and STEM professionals and have a long, long, long legacy. And I'm, I'm thinking of like the movie, The Great Debaters that Denzel was in. And it was about Wiley College and how their debate team they actually beat USC I think in real life but in the movie it was it was Harvard and as i said i think there's i think there should be some cultural introspection so that we begin to ask ourselves why is it i i i would rather send my child or i would rather go and struggle at UNC right which may be slightly above where my academic profile is rather than than add to the legacy at a North Carolina A&T. It's not that the schools are lesser at all. It's, it's, it's not that. It's just that there is a certain, there's a there's a brain drain, um, as well as sort of that ath- athletic drain. And you and Steve Kim talked about that yesterday, where prior to integration, all of the top black talent came from HBCUs. And this is the Negro Leagues. This, is, uh, this has to do, this dynamic is with football. And this dynamic is with the, the broader black community, generally speaking, in terms of our schools, our institution, tax businesses, insurance businesses, media companies, as, as soon as white folks set up a similar business across town, there's a significant number of us that say, oh, okay, time to go, because integration is the highest ideal. We It's not just desegregation, because that's different. It's one thing to remove the barriers to, to entry in terms of all different parts of society. But when, when you hear black folk get to the point where we say, we're for forced busing to another side of town, rather than having the, the black teachers who've been teaching at Malcolm X Elementary for 50 years, continuing to do that and build up their students, that should tell you that there's part of us that says, yeah, we want that coal ice somewhere else, rather than what we can make right here.
1: Uh, D, I want to play this quick uh, clip okay. from Bomani Jones on CNN uh, <laughs> today talking about Deion Sanders. It's about a seventy-eighty set. I want to I want to ask you if his criticism is fair. Let's play the clip
0: the mm. magnitude of the financial disparity is so much greater than anybody realizes. I think the magnitude of the financial disparity between HBCUs and other FCS schools, the smaller division in Division One, is bigger than people realize it is. So there's room to criticize him for the way that he has left and for the fact that his initial rhetoric is not in
1: line with his ultimate. Well, Monizem, what would you have him do? What well, would, I, would you have the man do?
0: Oh, well, I wouldn't have come in in the first place and said that God sent me here to fix HBCUs and God decided that in the middle of it you were supposed to leave, right? <laughs> (laughs) I mean, like the thing I've said is maybe God wants 10% of 5 mil and not 10% of 375. If God can do math, I can understand why it is. He sold a dream and then walked out on the dream. People have the right to be critical of that. I also would have taken the job that he took at Colorado, right? It's not a judgment of the fact that he took the job, but this is not in line with what he
2: told us for all these years. Can I just say this real quick? Whenever life gives you lemons, CNN will always give you one more. And its name is Don. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, he is the worst. Back to you. Back to you. Del- Del- I'm
1: give you the final <laughs> um, comment and let you go.
5: I-, I, th- I think that's a totally legit criticism. Um, one was him talking about the disparity in resources. That- that's completely fair. But I think the biggest part of it and the biggest reason that Deion is getting so much criticism, legit criticism, is because he is the one that sold the dream. When, when he had that, um, that on-field interaction with the opposing coach a couple months ago, and he was at the, at the podium. He said, "Well, I'm, I ain't swack. Apparently, he's not, because he, he he ran out far before the the job was done. So I think if Dion had not sold this as, "I'm coming here. I'm bringing everything. I'm bringing my 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 friends, my family. We're gonna do the job." He didn't even stay enough time for his his son to to basically graduate from the institution. He is the one that sold the dream to the community and then sort of walked out on it. So I think that criticism, that part of the criticism to me is, is more than fair.
1: Thank you, D. Uh, Thank great you, job as always. Uh, Delano Squires. Uh, get your fearless army swag at shopblazemedia.com uh, slash fearless. Uh, Chris Rufo. Thanks. All right. Welcome back. Uh, We're going to be joined by a man who really needs no introduction, uh, Chris Ruffo, with a a, with a writer for City Journal, a fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Uh, You guys have seen him on Tucker Carlson show. You've seen him on some of the Blaze programming. Uh, Christopher Ruffo, last week, I believe, wrote a story about. Bob Iger's return to Disney, Bob Iger's returning as the CEO of Disney. And Chris was able to ascertain uh, exclusive video of uh, Bob Iger's address uh, to Disney employees where it seemed like uh, perhaps Iger and Disney are in full retreat from some of the. grooming, I guess, for lack of a better description, that uh, Disney's been doing. Perhaps they lost their war with Ron DeSantis, but I'll let Chris uh, fill you in on the rest. Chris, what did you glean uh, from uh, Bob Iger's meeting with Disney employees?
0: Well, this is uh, Bob Iger's return, and I've been following Disney and reporting on Disney for about two years. I've looked at their critical race theory training program, some of their gender ideology and their kids programming. Um, and Bob Iger, uh, after, take, after the company took a beating from Ram DeSantis, uh, co- pledged to move back towards neutrality on the culture war. He said he wanted to quiet things down. He said he wanted to respect the audience. He said he wanted to disengage from politics. And uh, I take it as a tactical retreat. Uh, I think that Disney's core commitments are probably the same. But it's important because it shows that public pressure and political pressure works and if you can push these companies into a corner uh, hit them at their bottom line uh, they're going to start changing their position on some of these controversial uh uh, race uh, sex and gender issues
1: chris what do you think that will look like or is it a possibility bob said these things knowing it would get leaked and put out in the media And that that's all they're really going to give us is these words. Or do you think their programming might look and sound a little different in the near future?
0: Well, you know, the production cycle for a big Disney movie, for example, is multiple years. And so the stuff that is already coming out, uh, that's already in the can, uh, uh, will likely look the same. But I think you're going to see shifts over the medium and long term. Also because that their woke uh, programming has been a disaster. It's not only started these political controversies, but if you look at the actual box office returns, they had this kind of hyper ideological film called Strange World that came out. Uh, It was either their worst or second worst Thanksgiving week release uh, in the company's history Um, because, look, people don't want to go to be lectured about politics. They want to go to be entertained. And as Disney strays from the entertainment, and goes towards the politics and its programming, uh, I think they're going to see uh, uh, other box office failures. And ultimately, Bob Iger might be, uh, in his own heart, left wing or or, poli- or on the liberal, left liberal uh, side of the spectrum. But he's also a businessman, and I think that he's learning the lessons from his predecessor, in some ways throwing his predecessor under the bus. Uh, and I think at least publicly signaling that he wants to move back towards the center so We'll keep an eye on it, we'll monitor, we'll observe, we'll see how it changes, how it doesn't change. But I think just the fact that he feels the necessity to back down in his rhetoric is already a win. It already signals uh, that our strategy for putting pressure on these corporations is having an effect.
2: Can I, can I interject real quick? Yeah, please. Because I'd heard that, uh, I heard the last boss, the last CEO had some, some things in development and now that Iger took over, it's kind of a shame because I heard they were going to make a film about a transgender whale. It's called Maybe Dick. So <laughs> I, I, I'm bummed I don't get to see that. Back to you guys. Sorry. I,
0: I, think, yeah, I think they put that one uh, on the shelf. Uh, they didn't think that it would drive the audience uh, uh, at all.
2: Yeah
1: you know it sounds like I would have a shot at that role so I'm kind (laughs) of (laughs) disappointed that that that's been canceled oh man you just threw off Steve sorry guys sorry Steve you just threw off my train of thought uh so you mentioned Bob's predecessor who got in a pretty public spat with Ron DeSantis over the alleged don't say gay uh, legislation and Ron DeSantis Pushed back very hard, uh, took away some set asides or some benefits that uh, Disney has always experienced uh, in Florida. And so, if 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 we could rewind the clock, how do you think Bob Iger would have handled that? Would he have ever engaged in a fight with Ron DeSantis?
0: No, I I, I don't think he would. And he said as much uh, in his in his meeting with employees. He said that was a big mistake. We should have never. Picked a fight with the governor of Florida, where we have huge operations. Uh, I think what he would have done, if we're being uh, uh, kind of analytical about it, is he would have uh, uh, signaled internally to the left-wing activists and identitarians within the company that he supported them, that he that he didn't like the bill, that he wanted X, Y, and Z. He would uh, kind of catering and, and pandering towards his activist employees, while publicly. Uh, issuing mealy-mouthed both sides statements to try to have a more neutral profile. Um, you you see these executives, you know, the corporate executives. When you listen to them, except for with the exception of maybe Elon Musk, are among the most boring speakers and 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 uh, and people in, in the country. Uh, they really try not to say anything. They try to use very safe language, kind of very anodyne words. And so I think that's what you'd see. You'd see a, a, an executive pinched between the public and his activist employees. And that really is the important dynamic on a lot of these issues. You have very small groups of employees and these big companies that try to push, push, push for politics. And (coughs) CEOs are not strong enough and confident enough to push back against their own mid-level people.
1: Chris, I'm not sure if you've covered this aspect, but I have to ask you this as a you know, a sports journalist, sports fan. There are rumors that I, that Disney may spin off, get rid of ESPN. Is that a real possibility?
0: I, I don't know. That's beyond the scope of what I do. Uh, I'm really focused on politics and uh, I'll leave the sports uh, to you and others.
1: Well, you know sports has gone very po- political, uh, but but I hear you. I, I love I love a guy that stays in his lanes. Well, Chris, I appreciate you taking the time and update us, love to follow you on Twitter. I suggest everyone do that. Uh, he's one of the few remaining, you know, between yourself and Matt Taibbi and uh, Glenn Grunwald. Uh, you're the best journalist out there working today the and we appreciate you. Thank you. All right, that's Chris Rufo. All right, uh, go to youtube.com slash Jason widlock, hit notifications, hit subscribe. I'm, I'm really concerned about this next combination. The Korean Cosell and Steve Byrne together. Uh, this is going to be <laughs> a lot of Asian energy uh, on the show, and I can see uh, Kim, uh, the Korean Cosell, probably trying to top Steve Byrne in the funny. Not this gonna next segment
2: is going to be called Rush Hour. <laughs> so I'm very excited about it. Very excited about it. All right, uh, see Kim.
1: Next.
4: all
1: right welcome back uh, i'm really concerned about uh, this next segment uh, we've never had this much asian energy on the show uh Two Korean brothers about to square off in a battle of wits. That and their battle of wits may be too much for me to handle. Uh, Steve Kim, the Korean Cosell Let me introduce you to Steve Byrne, uh, one of the best comedians in America. What's that, bud? Uh, you, you, got, you guys got a secret handshake or anything that we need to know no. about? Well, or... he
2: left his uh, copy of Fresh Off the Boat DVD season two at my house last time we hung out, so I got <laughs> to send that back oh. to you, buddy.
4: Oh my God! You know. What? I got a name for this segment. We're going to call it the 38th Parallel. And we'll just stare at each other for about <laughs> half <five>. hour. <laughs> like, you know what, Jason? Well, get off he's... the screen. so He can be north. I can be south. Because I'm the soul train. Oh, God. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I am, uh, I'm, only, I'm only half. I'm Korean and Irish. I'm Caucasian and Asian, which makes me Caucasian. He's the actual Korean. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Oh, all right. So we got, you know what I call that with black people, African Americans. African Americans? African Americans. Yeah. I don't know what I don't know what yeah, we that, would call and, and that it. That goes over Cuc- real
4: well when I repeat that phrase, by the way. I mean honestly, it really does.
2: Well. <laughs> yeah. well Steve is very politically correct. He he doesn't even refer to you as 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 black. He says my friend Jason Whitlock, who's a registered Democrat. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's the biggest slur Jason's ever taken by the way, the last two years
2: you know? That is probably true uh, Steve we keep we, we keep talking like this, Mr. Kim we're gonna have to you you find the statue. we'll both push it over for you yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that means A Confederate just, statue. we will knock oh, yeah. it over for you. yeah oh. or Jefferson whoever you want. you talk to me Andrew Jackson Jackson. Gotcha. It. gotcha.
1: Uh, Steve. Uh, we're going to start where we left off yesterday. You and I, uh, Deion Sanders, uh, and and yesterday we didn't get to it, but we're going to get to it today. We're going to do an approval rating on Deion Sanders, and we can unpack uh, any additional thoughts uh, you may or I may have about Deion Sanders with the approval. He's in uh, latest news. He's hired Kent State's head coach. Mm. Kent State's head coach is now going to be Dion's offensive coordinator. Steve well, that's Byrne, not, not good news. That, yeah. that is not yeah, good they news for anybody. Your coach.
2: <laughs> yeah, they are stolen your coach. But The prestige um, of the golden flashes. Let, let,
1: let's get to our approval rating on Deion Sanders. Uh, Steve Byrne, I'll explain this to you. I'm just going to call you Byrne from here yeah, on yeah, out. Yeah, There's yeah. too many Steves here. Uh, Byrne. We do an approval rating. It's like our Rotten Tomatoes for athletes and celebrities. Sure. There's four categories, job performance, character, authenticity, it factor. Everything's on a scale of 0 to 25. You add the four scores up, 0 to 100 gives you their approval rating. Uh, And so we're doing uh, Deion Sanders today. And job performance, Steve, uh, I didn't like, as I expressed yesterday, I did not like his Uh, opening statement to the Colorado team I thought it was too uh, self-idolatrous I thought it was ego on explosion and so I thought he's off to a rough start there but getting a division one head coach to leave his job and to be your offensive coordinator that's pretty good so I'll give Dion a 10 in job performance right now
4: a 10 I gave him a yeah. 25. Mm-hmm. First of all, I love the bluntness of that speech. And in terms of that new offensive coordinator, I saw Kent State. They battled Georgia. They actually gave them problems between the hedges. And I love the fact that Dion recognizes that his job as a head coach is to coach coaches. And the fact that he's getting some people that are going to take the, the diagnostic football talk or the chalkboard and leave him to do the CEO stuff, that shows me – this is off to a good start. So, again, I'm going to give him a 25.
2: I'm going to give him a 26 because I watched the speech, and I like the part where he said, Hitler's a nice guy. <laughs> that was Kanye, not <laughs> oh, Dion. Oh, the, no long, one. Not Dion. the yeah, wrong one. the other you guy. You got to send me the right. Uh. <laughs> that, was, that was Kanye, sorry guys, not sorry. Dion.
1: Hey, although Dion did rap for a time. I don't know if you remember that. must be the money. Uh, character. Uh, character. <clears throat> i i i'm not dion dion is slick man and and dion had britney renner uh everybody's Mm. favorite side chick uh you know come speak to his jackson state team i i i think you know dion wanted to had came up with an excuse to get uh, britney renner back on campus and i'm not dion's a flawed man center like everybody else a little bit phony with his Uh, over-the-top religious stuff he's kind of like a prosperity preacher I gave him a 12 in character
4: Oh, now this is interesting. I'm actually a little bit lower than you. I went a 10 because you're right. There is some checkered stuff there. And, and Steve, I just want you to know my thing is all of my rankings are zero or five because it makes it easier to add. I'm the one Asian that's not good at math. So just
2: just want to warn, you. <laughs> just, just wanna warn oh, you. Shoot, I was cheating off of you.
4: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. man. That's, no, why really in trouble, yeah. Yeah, that's why you got a bunch of Cs and Ds, okay?
1: <laughs> All right, so you gave him a 10 in character, huh? Think Dion's kind of shady, I-, I-, I could see that. Authenticity, uh, I think Dion's pretty freaking authentic. He's a mercenary, he will sell himself and his soul to whoever the highest bidder is. He's worked for Marge Schott, he's worked for George Steinbrenner, Daniel Snyder, Jerry Jones, Eddie DeBartolo, Anybody that will cut Dion a check, He has a Ted Turner. He's worked for any and everybody. He's about the money. He did a video about must be the money. He told you who he is. He's a a hedonist, a materialist, a capitalist, and a sellsword. He's authentic. I give him a 24 out of 25.
4: Mm, Hmm. all of that is true. However, the words that he said about the calling and the mission statement of the hbcu now this comes as someone who says hey i don't mind him taking the colorado job i understand it it's a significant raise he did a great thing for jackson state but those words he still has to be accountable and because of that i put him at a 15 jason i'm surprised you went that high
2: mm, i don't know I don't, he's not lying about who he is i gave him a five to to go with Steve Scoring, I I the my favorite part again about the speech, this time I'm serious, is that he said he was excited to go visit the border and and work on those issues. So <laughs> I'm really excited to see what Dion brings to Colorado oh, wait, and I think the that's border. Kamala Harris. So that's or Joe Kamala, Biden. yeah. Ah, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute.
4: The I first keep... time Dion goes there it'll be one more time than both of those bums, okay. Let's just let's just leave it at that.
2: By the way, I have a lot of respect for Kamala Harris. She's the first woman. Of Indian and uh, Jamaican descent to be elected African American. <laughs> so
1: it's yeah. pretty cool. It really is. Uh, it factor hey, Dion certainly got it. He is the Pied Piper. He gets to say whatever he wants and people celebrate it. If Dion Sanders cut a fart in the face of the Colorado <laughs> school president, that's the greatest, sweetest smelling <laughs> fart in the history of football. Oh my God, we're gonna win titles. So he's definitely got it. I give him a 25 in it factor.
4: Uh, Jason, from the first time I saw Deion Sanders, probably 18 or 19, it was 1986 at the Orange Bowl watching the game. There was an up and out Michael Irvin. He beat Deion by about three steps. He actually outran a football thrown by Vinny Testaverde in one of the greatest interceptions I've ever seen. Never forget, uh, junior year, 1988. They're in a tough game at Death Valley against Clemson. He actually went over to the Clemson sideline and said, yo, this is coming back. He called his shot and took a punt return back in that great win. He's always had it. And he's just a sparkling guy. And I think you and TJ, Jason, I'm going to say this right now. You said he was one of the top 100 athletes in American history. You better annex a zero. He's top 10. Are you out of your mind? You could not name me 25 better athletes than prime time.
1: Really? And then also- I think I think you're right, but I was just trying to be safe. When you talk about American history, man, that stretches pretty far. That's a lot of people, you know. I can't name, but I, being the top hundred in the history of America is pretty high praise. This, this, this uh, I agree ran- with you. If
4: oh. Jason, the guy ran a four one nine in penny loafers at the NFL draft combine, right? Got out of a limousine and boom. He played two sports, one of them at a Hall of Fame level. I know me and you disagree, but when it comes to all-time great football players, if you did a draft and you had to create a team, he would go in the upper half of that all-time first round. Because that ability to oh, shut down... I think he's in
1: the one... top ten. I think he's one of the top ten and, football players of all time.
4: And and I know Chuck Bednarik, God rest your souls, rolling over in his grave as I said this. He also played both ways in the 90s. Remember, he played some wide receiver and was actually productive. Now, to TJ Moe's point, oh, TJ, you know I love you. But when he took the helicopter to play with the Braves and the uh, Falcons, that was during the World Series. And by the way, all the Braves teammates loved it. It was not a distraction. I got to give him a 25. This guy has always had the it factor.
2: I give him a twenty-five because you think of how many white women he's he's provided. They check something off the bucket list. <laughs> so oh, I, definitely. <laughs> what happened, Stevie?
1: How do you know? <laughs> I've never seen uh, Dion with I anything know. but uh, Nestle chocolate.
4: Right, he likes the tree and the fruit, as Jason would say.
1: Oh, okay. he does. Oh, he, he does. does he loves, he okay, loves well, the tree and the fruit. In terms
4: of his marriage, in terms of his marriage, you oh, know. Gotcha.
1: Understand. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, so we both got him at a grease fire. I got him at a seventy-one grease fire. You've got him at a seventy-five grease fire. Uh, I I I kind of anticipated you having him at a smoke show. Maybe not blazing hot, but anyway, that's our approval rating on Dion Sanders. We're done talking Dion today. We we've done it enough. Uh, Steve, I I I want to. Uh uh oh, hold on. Yeah, here here's my other things I want to talk to you about. Uh, Tom Brady last night. Uh, leads the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, to another come-from-behind victory. Bucks look like doo-doo for three and a half quarters, and then from out of nowhere, scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Uh, beat the New Orleans Saints by a point. Uh, I'm not convinced, though, that uh, Tampa's really any good. This is they they're 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 not a good team. I don't see them as a threat. In the playoffs.
4: Jason, this is what my source told me. Uh, In the locker room after the game, Todd Bowles, you know who he gave a game ball to? Not Tom Brady. I heard he sent it over to the New Orleans dressing room to Dennis Allen. That was simply (laughs) the worst game management I have ever seen. From five minutes to go, you're up 16 3. You have the ball at midfield, third and one, and every decision from both the coaching staff and the players, was a handbook on how to lose a game. Tom Brady, you're right. I don't care about the result. If you look at much of that game, Jason, I thought he was the third best quarterback. Yeah, behind Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill. He was bad. I have never seen him look that jumpy or nervous in the pocket. But once Dennis Allen started loosening up the defense and Tom got a couple completions under his belt, when it was 16-3 and they got into Saints territory, I said, "Uh uh-oh, you let the door open. And to Tom Brady's credit, he found a way. But the Saints blew that game. I'm just telling you, the Buccaneers are done. They might make the playoffs because they're in the worst division in the history of football. But you're right, Jason, I'm with you. They are not a good team. And Tom Brady, it gave me flashbacks of Muhammad Ali against Larry Holmes for 59 minutes.
1: Steve, Steve Byrne, I'm wondering, I didn't prepare you for this, but just yep. off the top of my head, th- there were some pictures released, video released, of Giselle doing some modeling yesterday, and she looked really good. And i wonder if that has Tom shook up, that he's got some regrets there about I, I like
2: it. how, like, Tom Brady is like the golden boy, and he left, like, his preg- first wife pregnant, right? Yeah. Left her Bridget to go to, to Giselle. Yeah, Bridget Moynihan. Then he leaves Giselle and his family to do another year of football and he's kinda like kinda like scumbagish. And I'm like, I kinda like this guy now. I, I, he's like kinda cool now. And I love listening to Steve Kim, the the Korean co but but unlike Cosell, Cosell had that bad hairpiece. Like, I love that you're a Korean Cosell with like a North di- dictator, North Korean dictator haircut. I've been it, called it's... Kim Jong Un
4: before. There's no doubt about that. You're,
2: you're you thing. should be screaming <laughs> at a swarm of 15,000 Asians. You know, there's just, no doubt about I, I it, And I would tell about. them,
4: you're getting grass for dessert, and you're gonna like it. But anyway, all right. So let's let's go back to old Giselle. Let's go back to old Gigi. I'd like to see those pictures. Are they all made up? Are they touched up? How many filters? Because I saw other pictures. I'm like, so I'm going to quote and paraphrase Johnny Cochran here in uh-huh. my advice to Tom Brady. Uh-huh. as she hits that wall, Tom, you must stand tall. Tom's got options. He's good. Tom, you may have left at the right time. You're good. You're good, soldier. Game ball to you. That's all I'm saying.
1: Totally I'm disagree. Kidding. Totally. He's, right, he's going right. to regret That's it. We do. Uh, we do. Let's move on what to your do. favorite topic. Uh, Back to college football. I didn't get to ask you this yesterday. Uh, I think Alabama should be in the playoffs if we want the most interesting and competitive playoff. Uh, I I don't think TCU, having lost to Kansas State, no reason to gift them a berth into the playoffs. They're not a threat to Georgia. I don't even think they're a threat to Michigan. Uh, I would have rather seen Alabama in there. I'd rather seen two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams. Should Bama be in the playoffs?
4: Yes and no. And I agree with your point. As soon as TCU blew that game against Kansas State, and I'm still bewildered that Max Dugans was not allowed to quarterback sneak in on those last two drives. I thought Alabama then took the back door in. Uh, With that said, though, Jay, the reason why I think they did this, there is an SEC-Bama backlash, I believe. They didn't want to make this the SEC Invitational. They wanted to mix it up. And again, what is sports nowadays? It's programming. So they wanted different parts of the country to remain interested in it. They just didn't want to make this the Big Ten SEC challenge. I, 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 along with you and Coach JB, we've talked about it this morning, do I believe that in the deepest recesses of their mind, Kirby Smart and his Georgia Bulldogs are thinking, Ooh, good thing we don't have to go against Saban and Bryce Young because that's the one team that scares us? I would say yes. But here's the issue with Bama. They, this is the most undisciplined Bama team I've seen in over a dozen years. They're not good at the offensive line. Their defensive back room is terrible, which is not very like a saving team. Minka Fitzpatrick, Patrick Sortain Jr., they ain't walking through that door. Now, they not only lost twice, and results have to matter at a certain point. Jason, they played five one possession games, including one against a terrible uh, Aggie team at home. And you said it yourself, Jason, uh, that one weekend you decided to watch college football way back in September. If Quinn Ewers does not get hurt, Texas probably wins that game by 10 to 14 points. So there comes a point in time, um, as Tony Phillips once said, one of the great locker room rants of all time, wins and mother losses, wins and losses. They matter. Results matter.
1: All right, uh, I want to go back to the NFL. Uh, Two really impressive performances on Sunday. The Cincinnati Bengals knock off my Kansas City Chiefs. The Philadelphia Eagles crush the hometown Mm-mm-mm. Tennessee Titans. Uh, who was more impressive over the weekend? Who you, who, who you like more, the Cincinnati Bengals or the Philadelphia Eagles?
4: Well, look, you got to give the Bengals credit. Three straight victories over Patrick Mahomes for the uh-huh, awoken one, Jason. Joe Burrow. Okay. Well, <laughs> with that said... If you look at the margin of victory and the physical dominance over a good team, a team that I think is a full of MMA fighters led by Mike Vrabel, I take the Eagles. I I mean, they hammered a really good team, not only 35 to 10, but look at these numbers, 26 to 11 in first downs, 453 yards to 209. I mean, that is a smashing. That rarely happens. Derrick Henry was never a factor in this game. And Jason – we have to say we may not think he's great or whatever his shortcomings may be. Jalen Hurts should be squarely in that MVP race once again. Twenty-nine for thirty-nine, three eights, three touchdowns. He has not really played that many bad games, and they what they do with him systematically or it works. And he's actually hitting downfield shots right there. That young man out of Alabama and I guess Oklahoma. He might be the most valuable player in the league today. My answer is the Eagles.
1: I I do think he's the most valuable player on the best team in football. I don't think he's the most valuable player. Micah Parsons in Dallas, okay. I think, is more valuable. Uh, Derrick Henry has kind of fallen off a cliff, but I blame that on... Tennessee's lack of a passing attack. Patrick Mahomes is still in there, and now you got Joe Burrow is revealing himself. In the year I compared him to Josh Rosen, he's going to be right in the thick <laughs> of the MVP race. Oh, I don't know you if know I'll what? ever live that one down.
4: And I just say something, to J- Jason? If your takes were draft choices, that would be Jamarcus Russell. That one right there, I would not bronze <laughs> it and put it on the mantelpiece. I'll tell you that much.
1: Yeah, uh, not good, not good. Uh, And finally, Steve, I want to play. Deshaun Watson returned to the field uh, on Sunday, did not play well. Uh, The Browns still won. Uh, They were playing at the Houston Texans. Houston Texans, one of the worst teams in recent memory. I know they've – (laughs) Ever. It's a bad team. And so it didn't take much from Deshaun Watson. But there was a great performance put on uh, in the pregame. I felt, by Samantha Ponder uh, at ESPN. She got a little bit emotional. Uh, And so I want to get, you know, we love to talk media. We love to talk uh, the Instagram models that are on these sports TV shows. Uh, So let's take a look here at uh, Sam Ponder uh, discussing Deshaun Watson.
3: So as fans, now what? We are in uncharted territory. There have been star quarterbacks accused of criminal behavior before, accused of inappropriate acts, but not like this. This isn't he said, she said, it's he said, they all said. Well over two dozen women, 26 lawsuits filed, graphic details that paint a sinister planned and habitual strategy to isolate and sexually abuse relatively powerless women. When I first heard the early accusations, I'll admit I didn't believe it. I've known Deshaun Watson since his freshman year at Clemson, hugged his mom, interviewed him many times and considered him a friend. I've only personally experienced him as kind, humble, and loving. And if I kept a list of players least likely to do something terrible, he would have been at the top. But as is always the case, those genuine feelings are judicially irrelevant because I have absolutely no clue what this man has done in private. I don't know how he treats women when no one else is around and none of us do. So we have a clear but uncomfortable choice to make, one the Cleveland Browns already made with their money. Is he a conniving predator or a sympathetic victim, a wolf in sheep's clothing or prey to manipulative liars who only see dollar signs? Are we privileged enough to not really have to think about it, unaffected enough to just move on and cheer as long as he serves his purpose to win games and generate profit, right? He missed 11 weeks and paid a fine. He has not been convicted of anything, and he vehemently maintains his innocence, but he also apologized to the women he impacted. This isn't about admitting mistakes and promising to do better. We're all flawed, and we shouldn't require more out of a ball player than we do ourselves. But this is about whether or not Deshaun Watson is a serial sexual abuser. Unfortunately, we probably won't ever have any conclusive resolution. But this I do know. I am skeptical of literally anyone, including someone I know and care for, who won't admit to a sin that even the most pious among us haven't avoided. Deshaun said he's never disrespected a woman. Never? Maybe he should ask around. He won't have to look far to find a group that begs to differ. 10 of his 26 accusers We'll be at his football game
1: today. So <clears throat> that was, that was my point on this is just, that was sound and fury s- signifying nothing. That, that was all noise, very little signal. That, that was a both sides look real good doing it, sounded emotional doing it. But at the end of the day, what did she really say? We'll never know what happened is what she ended up saying, and we won't. So why not just pipe down and talk about (laughs) whether
2: or not he's
1: gonna throw touchdowns or not?
2: Yeah, I'll be honest with you, I I agree. I have no idea what her perspective was. There was no opinion there. And I understand the, the controversy around Deshaun Watson. I get it, I understand it. But the biggest issue in the National Football League to this day is concussions, which leads to CTE. And if the NFL wants to do a better job at curbing Do you know what show think, you're on?
1: What's that? Go ahead. I'm going to let you finish. Then I'm going to tell you what show you're on. I don't believe in CTE, but go ahead.
2: It's okay. What, what? I was drum rolling the oh. joke and it just got oh. kiboshed.
1: I, I'm sorry. I'm go? not... <laughs> ah.
2: You want to start over? It went off. <laughs> knock, knock. It Who's went there? Luck. There's nobody at the Every door, man, Steve. You're not. Jason, that's not how jokes work. <laughs> yeah, geez. Oh, I blew it. My bad. i what what was the gonna be the punchline before uh, I ruined it? I'll work it in. I'll work it in. Stevie, why don't we throw it to you and then I'll and then I'll seamlessly work it in. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
4: Let's, uh, yeah. Let's let let we went from Pusan to Seoul, Korea. Now, okay, Here's the thing. Is, is that is, is that Samantha Ponder or Karen Ponder? I mean, what was she gonna do next? Call for the manager? I, I don't understand that because you once knew him. Like, were you really friends? I mean, because you interviewed him. Like, in the words of Houdini, friends how many of us have that i i didn't understand this I, in my view is this look um what Deshaun did or did not do i don't want to say it's irrelevant but i'm just wondering did she make any like long impassioned speeches about chad wheeler remember that situation uh uh you, we, is she gonna get outraged at every story with that same level of intensity i just thought this was a lot of grandstanding Uh, And one last thing about the 10 females that were there at the Houston game. My God, haven't those poor young ladies suffered enough? Now are you going to have them go to a Texans game? oh god that's torture (laughs) that is torture they've been through enough already let them enjoy their sunday in
2: peace god
1: you see how you crack a joke steve burn that's how you that was
2: great and (laughs) and again i wish we would get to the root of the cause guys you know, the big issue in the National Football League is concussions, which leads to CTE. And if the NFL wants to do a better job at curbing concussions, I think what they need to do is develop better safety precautions for their wives and girlfriends. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, boy. Whoa, what happened? Look, guys, that, jo- that joke bombs in Baltimore, but I'm glad to be here.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ew.
1: Don't, don't <laughs> egg him on, Steve, Kim. Don't <laughs> egg him on, Brian <laughs> Costello. <laughs> <stuff. laughs> I, I don't know if that joke is worth the setup. That, well, it, not the second time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. first time, it's great. The first, yeah, you're, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. but I, 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 I will say, that the whole thing about those 10 women showing up, those are 10 women I don't believe. If you were really victimized by yeah. Deshaun Watson sitting up in a suite watching him play football at a Houston Texans game is the last place you want to believe you'd want to be so those 10 people I don't believe they were just chasing the bag they got it they bought a suite went to the game congrats to him uh, is Deshaun Watson a victim no he's a no. horny young male athlete uh, who got lost up in this Instagram DM world where everybody's chasing that. That's one of the things uh, Kanye got right. He he talked about how, you know, uh, Instagram is basically the whorehouse and everybody's up in each other's DMs chasing and tail. And, and I'm not excusing what Deshaun Watson allegedly was doing, uh, but, you know. There's a better way to go about it, Deshaun, an easier way that doesn't cost you a million dollars or two million dollars or five million dollars and 11-game suspension and all that. Uh, But Sam and someone at ESPN, look, Sam Ponder looks terrific. I mean, I enjoyed watching that video. What she said... I, I, I just, nah, I have nah, no idea. Nah. You know, you
4: know hey, hey, Jason, she used to do a lot of college football yeah. on ESPN, and I think she was on, like, College yeah. Football Live once in a while. She would annoy the hell out of me because she'd always giggle too damn much, always trying to be one of the boys. You know, just give a straight delivery. Like, like, about Robin Roberts, Andrea Kramer, they don't go into their cuteness. They're just serious. And, like, she would always giggle and try to be one of the guys and crack jokes. And I'm like, Samantha, like, you're your eye candy. You're not the comedy. You're not even the journalist. So I don't. It's good know.
1: eye candy, though, Steve. She so is. Don't underestimate the quality. I agree, of the and she candy. is
4: hitting the treadmill. Props to her, but God, dog, she's annoying.
2: She's annoying. Well, if I if I see her, I'd like, uh, you know. I would just submit recipes or ask for something to be cleaned. I don't need my (laughs) sports from her. Oh, now you know which show you're on. And that's how a man does it. Now, listen, guys, I need to be respected. I drive a Saturn. That's how a man handles stuff. (laughs) Thank you. All
5: right,
1: uh, Steve, we're done with you. Uh, Steve, Kim, uh, thank you. Great job, as always. Uh, Wow, that that went as bad as I thought it would go with you two guys. (laughs) Uh, I barely got a word in edgewise and I ruined the joke and you guys <laughs> made me, you guys made me look bad now the, the comments tonight are going to be filled with people saying Steve Kim and Steve Byrne need to be doing a show together. We don't need Whitlock. (laughs) Good luck with that. Uh, Steve, you got
2: anything else you want to get off your chest or are we exhausted? I just got to tell you, buddy, I I thank you so much for having me. This has been uh, a tremendous treat
1: Let's Let's promo. Let's show the uh, late night with Steve Byrne thing again. Let's send everybody to Amazon Amazon Prime.
2: Prime. The last late night it's a uh, it's an hour special unlike any other. It's a late night talk show, stand-up special. Just read the reviews. I mean it's it's, it's doing really really well. So people are really enjoying it and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of unsavory uh, offensive jokes which oh, I appreciate. Good, good. And so what do you think
1: it will be another year and a half before we get you back here or what?
2: Um, uh, I'm like Deion Sanders I'll be back every two years I'll switch and go to another location so yeah <laughs> we'll do it like Thank
1: that yeah. uh, that's Steve Byrne that's tomorrow you hear in your ear uh, singing about freedom and that means we'll see you tomorrow
2: I just want-
5: Looking like it's my time Feeling all kinds of freedom These words are our religion Our regrets and our decisions We all wanna go to heaven with freedom